Right, so we are in James, and I want you to notice in verse 7 of chapter 5, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be, con- lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. And what James is doing right here, he's encouraging these believers to stand strong, to endure with patience, because we never know when God is going to show up and set things in order. And he mentions how he's standing before the door, meaning you know, at any time God's going to come and kind of set these things in order. And so this isn't necessarily about imminency. Some people might try to use this passage to teach uh, imminency when it comes to the return of Christ. But, uh, but what it's really teaching is about always be expecting God to come and set any situation in order. And so while we understand there's some things God's not going to set them in order until he returns, either way, whatever's going on, whenever we're seeing a wrong being done, when you see somebody that's doing wrong, when you see them, you know what you should just be expecting at any time? God to show up and do something. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to when you want him to, but you should be expecting it. Uh, if you're doing something wrong, you should be expecting any time God's going to deal with me. Maybe I better get right before he shows before the judge shows up. And so that he's so he's encouraging them here. He's telling them to have patience, establish your hearts. I mean, just get firm on what you're going to do. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. We ought to always be living with this mentality, um, you know, that God's going to show up any time and God's going to set things in order. God's going to make things right. You know, we ought to always have the mentality too. Of looking for the returning of Christ because we're wanting him to set some things in order. We're wanting him to take care of things. You know, I wish our politicians operated under this attitude that the Lord's coming back at any time. But he's not in their thoughts. And it's the same thing with many, uh, most of our country today. But let's keep reading. He says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and patience. So just like God stepped in and showed up in dark hours in the past, he's going to do this type of thing until he returns. Okay, proving too, this isn't a passage just about imminency and about the second coming of Christ. No, we should always be expecting God to come and take care of things, to deal with things, because we know he's a just God, but we've got to be willing to wait for his time. We've got to be willing to be patient and in the meantime, endure sufferings. And so he goes and he says, think about these prophets that endured suffering. God came through for them. Go back and look at their stories. God came through for these guys and he's going to come through for you because our God is of tender mercy. And so ever, and then in verse 11, he says, behold, we count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So, Right after he's just kind of given a bunch of examples in general of the prophets, he gives one very specific example, and he mentions Job. He said, you've heard of the patience of Job. Why? Because everybody talks about Job. Job is a very inspirational story in our Bible that helps us, and he, look, and he uses Job to say, here's a guy who really suffered some affliction, but you know what? God came through for him in a big way. 
And so he's trying to encourage these people, be faithful, be patient. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And not. And I'm always looking for the coming of Christ, not just in the rapture, but for his just intervention. When it comes to you know our church, we should always be looking for the coming of the Lord in the sense that we're looking for him to come and bless or judge us. You know, we, we're, and, and he might do that. The Lord, not physically, but we never know when the Lord is going to show up and just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this church. Or we never know when the Lord is going to show up and say, you know what? I'm going to use this church in a, in a big way. And uh, in your life, you should be always looking for the Lord to show up and to just do something. And it's, but you know what? You've got to have patience and so while james in this in the closing of his letter he's encouraging these people to draw inspiration from those prophets who endured some hard times but god came through for them. and then he specifically mentions job he remember he mentions the patience of job to them and so what i want to do today i want to literally do what james said to do here and i want us to try to draw inspiration from job's example about patience and suffering affliction because what uh some you know and mainly what i want to focus on too is just this um characteristic of patience consistency just doing the right thing all the time and i think these are good mess you know this is kind of a good time to do a message like this we're in the winter time when you live in illinois winter is the worst time for everything i mean it, you know i don't does, does anybody in here is winter their favorite holiday or season, I guess? Is anybody? I don't think any. Have you ever wondered why anybody ever. Brother Dan, did you raise his hand? I, yeah. Have you ever. Oh, Alex, too. All right. We got, we got a couple weird people here. Maybe I just got the answer. I, you know, because when it gets real cold like this, you know, I always wonder why did people ever settle this area? You know, and I guess it was probably for farming. But at the same time, it was maybe guys like Brother Dan and Brother Alex that like winter. So I, I don't know. But. I like it for a little bit, but then I, I get over it. But, you know, you know, it's times like this when it is. It's, it's a lot harder. If you're that person that's looking for an excuse to get out of things, you know, winter's your time. You know, because no pastor's going to be jerk and, like, make you, you know, risk your life coming to church. You know, we got, we got COVID now. And, you know, and everybody's sick in the wintertime. You know, we're all sick in the winter. So we've all got our excuses. And just understand... You know, there are legitimate reasons to miss church, you know, really bad weather, bad health. But just remember, too, if you're that person that has an excuse all the time, nobody believes you, even if you are sick or think it's weather or something like that. So just, you know, always remember, you want to have a good reputation with these things or everyone will, no, nobody's going to believe you because they're always the first person to, you know, uh, you know, have everything happen to them that would seem legit, but, uh, you know, it is, it's that time of year. And part of it too, in the winter time, I just don't want to do stuff. You know, when it's cold out and when you got to just face all that stuff out there, you just don't feel like doing things because, it, because it's cold or because you don't feel good. You know, when you're dealing with colds and all that kind of stuff, you just don't feel good. But you know, the thing is seasons, just like there are seasons in nature, there are seasons in your life where, you know, it's not always easy to do the right thing. It's not always fun. It's not always enjoyable. And we've got to learn to be consistent, 
be instant in season, out of season, all those things. And especially when it comes to, you know, emotional stuff too. Like we're going to see what Job goes through here. I mean, obviously at first what Job went through, um, you know, was very emotional with losing everything. You know, that's, that's going to mess with your mind. You know, and I want us to go through and I want us to look at Job because there are some very clear things that we see in his life. He's one that the Bible tells us to look to as an example. And I think we can learn a lot from him. And I think it's what's missing. The things that we see in Job are often what we see is missing from the life of people who flop out and fail when the tough times come. So let's look what it says in Job chapter 1 in verse 1. This is an important one for us because there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Now, one thing I want to point out about Job is that Job was not just some guy with imputed righteousness only. And I say all that because some people think, because I'm saved, you know, I deserve the Job-type blessings when I go through hard times. But understand that, you know, no, just you being saved does not make you worthy of all blessings that are out there. There are some things that are for those who suffer with patience, for those who suffer and that do the right thing and that are a good example. And Job was not a guy who was just saved and that was all he had going for him. Being just saved will get you out of hell. Being just saved will get you taken out for the rapture because you have guys like Lot who was just saved. That's pretty much all he had going for him. And he got pulled out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but look at what happened after he got out of Sodom and Gomorrah too. I mean, what a horrible example he was. Look at what happened to his wife. Look at how bad his daughters were. The Moabites and the Ammonites, a cursed people, they're the ones that came from Lot that's what you get when you're just saved. If you're just saved and that's all you do with your life, you don't turn your life around, you don't live for God, you don't keep his commandments, you don't do anything for him. Well, nobody, we don't see Lot as an example of blessing and somebody who is greatly blessed of God. You know why? Because he was just saved and a lot of people have this attitude, well, I'm saved, therefore I'm all good. I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about being like Job. I'm not worried.
people can also sow to the flesh. And so then he says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So as, as Christians, one of the things we've got to do, if we're going to be like Job, Okay, if we're going to actually be like Job, if we want to claim the things that Job received, we've got to be somebody who's sowing to the spirit, sowing spiritual things. And we've got to be people who are doing it and we're doing it in season. We're doing it out of season. We're doing it when it's easy. We're also doing it when it's difficult. And he says, we're going to reap if we faint not. And fainting, you know, you faint, you don't get to reap. You know what? You can go out, you can plant a field, you can plant a garden, but... You plant it, you can do all the work to prep it, it can grow. If you never reap, if you never actually go out there and harvest it, you didn't really accomplish anything, did you? And a lot of times people do, they faint and they quit before the harvest. And what we've got to understand, it takes patience to get to the harvest. I remember when I was a kid, I tried planting, I remember tried planting some watermelons. And I, got, I was interested in it for about a week. And I wasn't seeing anything after about a week and kind of forgot about it, quit watering it, and never got any watermelons. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the patience, you know. And uh, that's how we are. That's how a lot of Christians are. They, go, they get saved, and then they go to try to be good Christians for a couple weeks or a couple months or even a couple years. And then they just expect to have this fantastic life. They expect to have all these blessings. It's like, no, you've got to have some patience. You're going to have to endure some things. You want to be like Job, you're going to have to actually be righteous. And then he, and, uh, you're going to have to, and it's going to be hard. You're, you're going to feel like fainting, but you can't faint. You can't give up. And then he says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know what? You need to be being a blessing to God's people. And, and again, how do you do this if you're not in church? I don't get it. You know, you've got people, too, they think they've got all things covered because they go soul winning. But if you're not in a church, you're supposed to, I'm glad you're winning souls. That's good to all men. That's doing good to all men. But this isn't even just, while that's a good thing, you know, we're supposed to do other good things, too. We're supposed to be friendly. We're supposed to care for people. We're supposed to, you know, be a help. But the Bible says is when it comes to doing good, proof this isn't just soul winning, we're especially to do good to those who are of the household of faith. They're already saved. So how do you do this if you're not in church, if you're not faithful in church, if you're not around God's people? And so these are all things that are absolutely necessary. And Job clearly was somebody who had been doing what he had been doing for a long time. You know why? Because he had a reputation. And let me tell you, reputations take years to earn. It takes years. Okay? Some of you might think you have a reputation of being faithful because you heard a sermon a year ago on how to be a good Christian and you have implemented that in your life and have been on Facebook declaring yourself all those things. But just because you have declared yourself a hardcore IFBer, that doesn't make you one. Okay? That doesn't mean you have that reputation. You know, it takes years to get that reputation. And I could, I could go online. I can declare myself whatever I want. It doesn't make it so. But it is, there's a big difference, though, when that's how everybody sees you. 
When everybody sees you as that way, it's because you've obviously been doing that for a while. And you have to do these things for more than a year or two before people are going to see you as that person. So, uh, you know, reputations, they do. They take years, years to build. And uh, you, you can't be known for these things because you had one good year. Job had many children. Job had 10 children. Clearly in the story, some of them were grown. So this is a guy who's been around for a long time, doing these things for a long time. And, you know, I've heard this statement before. I've repeated it. I'll repeat it again. But, you know, they say success isn't measured in years, but in decades. It's about the long term. It's about enduring. And so uh, let's look at verse 4. In verse 4, it says, And his sons went and feasted, in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. You know what? Job did not see himself in a place where he had arrived. Even though Job, he had children that were old enough that they had their own houses. When they were all together, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make some sacrifices and offerings for my children in case they've sinned. Job understood that the safety of his children, he was still dependent on God for it. Job still had that concern for his children and his source for protection was God. He understood that. And so this is something the Bible says he did continually. So I don't think it's something he just picked up and he did a few times after going to a family conference and was like, all right, I'm declaring this for our house, like, like a lot of people do, and then they flop out after a short time. No, this is something he had done for a long time. Why? Because it was who he was. And so he, he did this continually, and, and this, was, this is more evidence that Job, who he was, the reputation he had, was one that he had had for a long time. This guy had been blessed for years and years by God. And I believe it's because he was doing these things. He was somebody who loved God. He was somebody who hated evil for a long time, continually making prayers and sacrifices to God. Why? Because he understood his dependence on God. And so when you've sowed to the flesh for years and even decades, and then you start sowing to the spirit for a few months or even a year, you can't expect to start grabbing all the good immediately you can't expect that you know you're still probably going to be reaping some of the flesh stuff for a long time and you know it's part of it but you know what here's the thing and this is this is where you can tell the people who've really seen the light and those who and believe the truth is those who still do right even when they're having a hard time because here's here's the thing if you did if you sowed to the flesh for years and you're still reaping it. In reality, if you really believe the truth of the Bible now, then that should encourage you because do you think that God's going to let you reap the things of the flesh that you sowed and then not let you reap the things of the spirit that you're sowing now? Listen, just as sure as you're reaping the things of the flesh, you will reap the things of the spirit if you keep sowing to the spirit. So you know what? So do the, just, just keep going. You know, when, when you suffer in that area, it's like, man, this stinks. But you know what? I asked for it for years. But you know what? 
I've been asking for something else now for years, and eventually I'm going to get that too. Eventually I'm going to reap if I faint not. And so just, just you know, let that encourage you. I mean, it does. It, it, it stinks reaping those things of the flesh, but it's just one more reminder that God keeps his promises, the negative, but he keeps the positive too. And so you will get the spiritual. You've got to keep going. And so that person who truly gets it, when they do see themselves suffering, while they're not going to enjoy it, they're going to understand, hey, good's coming. But you know what you see a lot of times people do? They come into church, and you know, and maybe they, maybe they get saved, maybe they don't get saved, I don't know. But I've seen these people, it's like, they come to church when they're in a really difficult time, thinking, this will make all my difficult times go away. But it's, wait, no, time out. The difficult times you're in right now have come from years and years of sowing to the flesh. And so the thing is, the, what you really need, if you want, and, and God can eliminate some of those things. God can get rid of it. But there has to be, you've got to have some real repentance in your heart. And so the thing is, if you're just coming, I'm going to go do these things, hoping God will take away the punishment. And then when it doesn't happen, you go right back to those old ways of sowing to the flesh. Folks, you never really changed your mind about the evil of those things. You just re- recognized you were getting, a, you know, you were reaping what you sowed, and you were just trying to, you know, go tell God you're sorry, so He'll just take the punishment away. Well, you didn't even really mean it. You didn't, you, you didn't even mean it in your heart. And so then, what do you do? You flop right out, go right back to your old ways. I didn't get what I wanted fast enough. Well, you know what? You got to read the Bible. And we're told in the Bible, we have to patiently endure. And we even have, the Bible says we even have to suffer affliction sometimes. But you know what the Bible also teaches? That the judge is standing at the door. Jesus Christ, he's always there ready to show up and to either bless or bring judgment. So you know what? Just have patience and keep going. Remember Job. Remember what Job went through. So, again, Job is not somebody who was just saved only. This was somebody who had been doing what he'd been doing for years and years and somebody who still had a dependence on God. Somebody that people looked at as as a success, but yet Job saw himself as, I need God every day. And he kept doing the right thing. So look what it says in verse 8. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. So one thing we see about Job, Job's motivation for doing what he did was clearly different from the rest of the world. We see that God said there's none like him in the world. And you know the problem that most of us have today is we're always trying to compare ourselves with others. We're always trying, we're always trying to be like others. We're always trying to be equal to some person. We're always trying to find some fulfillment or approval by some earthly point system. But you know what? Guys like Job, who got the kind of blessings that he got, he was somebody completely different. God said there's none like him in the earth. And you know what we just need to try doing is being as much like God as we possibly can and stop just trying to fit different molds trying to just make different people happy. And obviously it's okay to follow people as long as they're following Christ. But the key is, you know, make sure 
that you know they're actually following Christ. and Because ulti- ultimately, he's who we're following after. So this is a big difference between Job and other people. In verse 9, it says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for not? Hast not... Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and the substance is increased in the land. But put forth now thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. You know what? It's very clear. Satan expected Job to be like everyone else because that's what most people do. I tried going to church for a while and it just didn't seem to help me. Oh, you know, you didn't get all the blessings. But, you know, I, I was serving God, but then, you know, the Lord let me catch COVID. And, you know, the, you know uh, this happened. I lost my job. And, uh, you know, my year would have made a good country music song. And, you know, so I, I, I don't serve God anymore. I, I don't believe God. Anymore. You know what? That's, that's what most people do when things don't go their way. They curse God. And let me tell you, Satan knows people. Satan knows people very well, and Satan's usually right when it comes to these things. But you know what? He wasn't right with Job. But if you're not careful, most, most of us, we're going to be like most people. And when things aren't going our way, when things are just inconvenient, when things are difficult, you know what we do? We flop out. Or especially when things get really bad and we're afflicted. I mean, and look at what God allowed Satan to do to Job. God let Satan... Have his way with Job. And, but you know what? Job was not like everybody else. Job still did not cur- curse God. And so, uh, verse 20, you all know the story. Satan, God removed the hedge that he had around Job. And God let Satan basically have his way with everything Job had, except for Job himself. And isn't it just like Satan to take every bit of it? You know, God said, it's all yours except for him, and he took it all. He could have just taken half of it, and Job would have been devastated. And he could have taken a quarter of it. He could have just taken the wealth, and most of us would have cursed God. But you know what? Satan, he took it all, and Job still didn't do it. Because look what it says in verse 20. It says, Then Job arose, rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And folks, I don't believe that Job is just an inspirational parable or story. I believe he was a literal man that walked in. And here's an interesting thing. This is just kind of a side note about Job. Most of what we read in the Old Testament, almost everything we read, most of the stories we read in the Old Testament, are centered around figures in the line of Christ going to Israel. And then it's all kind of centered in stories around Israel. Here we have an entire book connected to a guy that's not of Israel, that is probably a contemporary with Abraham, so who's not in that line of Christ. He's not a part, he's not a part of Israel, which is, uh, he's, he's not connected to it. In that way, but yet he was clearly a saved man, but yet we have a whole book dedicated to this man. Why? Because this man was truly an inspiration, an exception, uh, just an amazing individual. What we see him saying right here, folks, most of us would not do that, but he did it. And God took note of this guy and it's like, you know what? 
you're not really a part of the story that I'm telling of Israel and the Messiah, that seed of the woman that I started in Genesis. You're not really a part of that story. You're not really connected in there anyway. But let me tell you, you are what I want my people to be like. I'm putting your story in the, in, in the Bible. And, and we see it referred to. You know, we see it referred to here in the book of James. We see, uh, I think it was in Ezekiel where he kept saying, if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, I'd still come down at the city. I mean, he, he got named with guys like you know, Dan, Noah, who God spared, um, you know, or who God spared in the great flood. You know, Daniel, who God protected, and he said in Job too. So, an amazing man. But Job, the reason Job was able to say what he said is because Job fully understood that he had gotten to where he was because of because of God. And because of the way he had lived his life in obedience to God, Job understood that since I got here by loving God, by serving God, all these blessings I've enjoyed for decades with the, the 10 wonderful children that God gave me and, the, and some that have even grown up, maybe all of them grow up, I don't know. All this wealth that I've been able to enjoy, I got it through serving the Lord. And you know what? I'm in a bad season right now, but why would I change? Why would I all of a sudden try a different way now? I've been blessed for years, and you know what he did? He worshiped, just like he always did. And he, he understood, I came in with nothing, I'm going out with nothing. I've been praising the Lord during all this time. I'm going to keep going. So even on the darkest of days, Job understood that his priorities needed to remain the same. And there is no doubt he came up with these priorities in a good day. You know, and that's typically when we do those things. You know, when things are going good, when when things were right, when there were good circumstances. And then and so the thing is, when bad circumstances come, those things shouldn't change. And so folks, whatever priorities you have in your life, however you've been living your life, and if God's been blessing you, when difficult times come, when winter seasons come, figuratively speaking, or when winter literally comes, that's not the time to throw your principles out the window. That's not the time to throw your way of life out the, uh, out the window. That's the time to just keep going. But the thing is, here's the difference. It's hard. You know, I'll bet it was pretty easy for Job to get up and to worship God and offer sacrifices when, one of his, when he would have a new child come into the world on those happy days when he was greatly blessed. But you know what? I'll bet on that day... It wasn't easy, but you know what he did? He did the same thing on the day of their death that he did in the day of their birth because it was, it's right both times, folks. It's right no matter what the season. Right is right no matter what the season. Don't let circumstances change you. And so this right here is when patience, priorities, principles, convictions, when all of those things matter. You know, and we're seeing, you know, where we've all been complaining in the last couple of years how because our country is going through a difficult time, they want to throw out the Constitution, folks. The Constitution is for these difficult times. That's why we have these rights to protect us during difficult times. And that's why we teach people to live godly and to live holy lives because it's for all times. It's for the difficult times as well as the good times. That's why we tell you to stand strong and to be strong even when things are going good because there's going to be a time when things are bad too. And if we can't do it while things are good, we're definitely not going to do it while things are bad. But either way, we got to stay at it through all the seasons.
everyone wants to be a great Christian, but everybody wants a Christianity without valleys, tragedies, you know, winters, sicknesses. It doesn't exist. And that's why Paul in 2 Timothy 4, he, he told Timothy, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So he's telling in season, out of season. And in the verse before that, he said, I charge thee before, therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead in his appearing. You know what he did when he told him to be faithful in season, out of season? He reminded him, oh, and Jesus is going to come back one of these days. And how's he going to find you? So we've got, so whenever we are in that place in our life, when it's difficult to do the right thing, we've always got to keep, keep the mentality the Lord could show up at any time. And again, not in the rapture. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he's going to come and set these things right. He's either going to come and judge or he's, either going, to, he's going to come and reward. And let me tell you, you know, there's, there's been many times in my life. And you know, in, uh, since we started the church, you know, during those early days too, when I, mean, I was just like, man, there's got to be a payday at some point. It's like, you know, we've been working really, really hard. You know, and I'm like, I was like, are all the treasures just getting laid up in heaven? Because, you know, I kind of like to get, I like to kind of cash in on something now because we, we really need it. But, you know, the, and the thing is, while God did not do anything in the timing that I thought he should have, I always just knew it's going to pay off eventually. Okay? All this work is going to pay off eventually. And, you know, and the Lord has shown up. The Lord has done things. And that's why we just got to, we just got to keep working. We got to keep staying at it, keep staying at it. And if you're not getting what you think you ought to get, you just got to, in your mind, think the judge is at the door. The judge is at the door. Pretty soon, something's going to break. Something's going to happen. Pretty soon, something big is going to take place. We're, we're going to get our payoff. We just got it. But we got to stay at it. And we've got to go to Job. That's what James said to do. When you're thinking about that, consider Job. And so in uh, chapter 2, turn over to Job chapter 2, Job was steadfast in controlling what he was able to control. And in Job 2.9, it says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Now, I hope I'm not reading into the scriptures right here. But notice how it says he didn't sin with his lips. Okay? Now, you know, I guarantee you some things crossed his mind. I guarantee you there was probably a time or two Job thought, Lord, what are you doing? And when you go and you read the rest of the book, you see some of the things he says. I mean, Job was clearly distraught and he did not understand what was going on. And he was very frustrated. And then after his friends came and acted like a bunch of fundamental Baptists, telling him everything he did wrong and how he deserved it and, you know, after dealing with all that, you know, Job finally said some stuff he probably shouldn't have said, and God got onto him for a few chapters, uh, you know, later on. But you know, listen, I, you're not going to go through something like that. You're not going to go through hard times, and the thought's not going to cross your mind. Lord, what's going on? This is not how you should do this. And you know, we can't we can't help what we think. Okay? We can't always help, but we can't help what we say. And so, you know, Job, no, nobody has total control over their mind, but you ought to be able to control your mouth. And so Job, 
you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was that fantastic. But, you know, when his wife came and said that to him, you know, he, he had to have been thinking, I feel the same way. But he's like, we can't do this. He, he, he stuck with his principles. For years, we have received all these blessings. You sure enjoyed all those kids while you had them. You sure enjoyed having the nice house and the nice possession and all the riches. You've enjoyed all these things. They came from God. God gave them to you and you enjoyed them for years. He has now chosen to take them away. We, what, what right do we have to speak against him? But I, I promise he probably thought. But the Bible says he did not sin with his lips. And you know what? He controlled what he was able to control. And you know, there are some things that I just can't control. I can't always control what goes through my mind. I can't always control what other people do. I can't, as a pastor, I can't control what people in the church do. But you know what? I can always at least do what I know I can do. And you as an individual, you can't, con- always, you can't control other people. We can't make people do the things that we would like them to do. But you know what you can do? You can control yourself. You can make sure you keep doing the right thing. You can make sure you can't stay instant in season and out of season. There's always going to be those who are pushing us, pushing at us, hindering us. But they don't have to stop us. And so, you know, we, we can't always help how we feel, but we can always help what we do. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain with the Lord. And that's what Satan, I think, when he, how he tries to deceive us. He gets us thinking, hey, all the service you're doing, it's for nothing. Yeah, you know what? You're you're fighting to do right, but you're not getting any fruit from this. You know, where's the payoff? You know, the, he's he's going to try to lie to us and make us think that nothing's going to happen, but the Bible says you're going to reap if we faint not. The Bible says your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times I've just kind of held on to that promise that you know, uh, you know, and it said and in those early days when you know there wasn't a lot going on at the church, I was like, you know, I could at least be working. I could at least be doing something. And at first, you know, when you're just starting a church and you don't have a whole lot going on, you don't have a whole lot of people, I mean, you got plenty of time to knock doors. And I was, just, and sometimes it doesn't feel like the most productive thing in the world. But I'm like, I can't expect to reap if I'm not working. And so I just, you know, during the week, I just go out by myself a lot of times and just knock doors during the day. You know, you know what, are you, what are you doing? It's like, I've got to work. I, I'm, you know, some days I would get, I'd get my sermons all done early in the week. I mean, I like had everything done, and it was just like, all right, I gotta do something for the church now. And so, just go visiting people, knocking doors, and you know, and, said, and, and eventually you reap. But it's not when you think you should. Can you imagine having a job where your boss paid you when he felt like it? I, I, you know. Most of us wouldn't want to work that job. But, you know, at the same time, we probably would if we had faith that he was a just boss. And when he paid us off, it was definitely going to be worth it. But, you know, uh, most of the jobs I've worked, I didn't have bosses like that. And if they just missed after two weeks, I'd have been looking for another job. <laughs> but, you know, that's how God is with us. God doesn't pay us off every two weeks. You know, God pays us off in his time. When he, when, when he sees fit, and we just got to endure, and it is, it's always 
It's always worth it. And so, if God is our priority, then being godly will be our priority. And you know what we'll do? We'll rejoice in divers' temptations because we know it's going to make us stronger. Look at what it says in James 1. In James 1, verse 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's what he mentions later about Job. Remember the patience of Job. Yeah, I want to be like Job, but I don't want to have to go through anything like Job. Uh, no, to be like Job, you've got you to gotta have patience. You've got to have the trying of your faith. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor Tommy. The reason I'm trying to live godly is so I don't ever have any problems. No, guess what? Nobody gets through this world without problems. Lost people who live only for the flesh and what they desire... They have problems too. We live godly so we can be rewarded through those times. So we can get through those difficult times. Because we're all going to have problems. We're all going to suffer. Yes, we suffer in ways that the world doesn't, being Christians. You know, we get the persecution, all that kind of stuff. But folks, the sufferings of the world are worse than ours. And they get no payoff. We've got a payoff coming. But he says, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And sadly today, what we have, it's a generation that wants everything to be easy. They want, you know, they want a college education without debt, right? You know, they, they want everything handed to them for free. You know, because people go to college because they didn't learn anything in school. But they think college will give them instant success. But then they don't want to pay for that either. What do you think that's going to do? What, what do you think is going to happen when it's free college for all? You know what it's going to be? Four more years of public school. And what makes you think you're going to get accomplish anything then? You know what ultimately this is that people are screaming for? And listen, I get it. People have got, been ripped off in the student loans. There's a lot of problems there and everything. But at the end of the day, everybody wants success with no work. Everybody wants success with no sacrifice, with no, with no hardships. You know, and people today, they want a Christianity with no challenges, with no pain. But that's not what God has called us to. God wants us to be strong. God wants us to endure hardness and to do it with patience, waiting for his return. And so if you find yourself in that situation where you're needing patience, you know what? Think about Job. Remember the patience of Job. And specifically, we didn't go there, but in Job chapter 42, we see that God gave back Job double, didn't he? God, God took care and that is a lesson for all of us that when we find ourselves in a situation where we're doing all this work and we don't seem to be getting the payoff, you know, when we're going through that difficult time, James was wanting us to just picture that judge standing right outside the door. He's, he's going to come in any minute. He's going to make things right. This thing's going to get settled here real soon. You're going to get your payoff. It's coming. But you got to keep enduring. If you quit, if you give up before the judge shows up, it, it's too late. And figuratively speaking, you know, I've, I've been able to see the judge show up. I've been able to see him return 
and give the payoff. And when that happens, folks, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. And just you can't faint. You just cannot faint and just get through it. Spring's coming, ladies and gentlemen. It's just as sure as spring is going to come and all that snow and ice out there is going to melt. You know what? If you're sowing to the Spirit, blessings are going to come. Rewards are going to come just as sure as we are about the seasons of earth. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful example in the Bible, Lord, and just uh, uh, the amazing work that you did through the life of Job. And we thank you for that example. And I pray that we'll do like James said to do, that we'll uh, look at him and that we'll uh, get inspiration from it. And I pray you'll help all of us to have patience and to endure the difficult times and to be faithful, uh, Lord, in all seasons. And I pray you'll, uh, for those that uh, might be weary and thinking about fainting right now, I pray you'll renew their strength. And Lord, we pray that you'll show up uh, in in areas. Lord, we, we, uh, we're anxious to see, your, see you bless and to see you come through on these things. And we know you're going to, but in the meantime, help us patiently wait. In your name we pray. Amen.